Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and if you've heard this podcast for even 30 seconds, you already know how I feel about my library. So I can't tell you how excited I am that today I'm joined by one of our local librarians, Lauren Regenhart. I wouldn't gush over a sports person or, frankly, most celebrities, but a librarian? I'm gushing like a fool. Just wait till you hear about the book recommendations she gave me. Lauren joined me today to talk about a book that is a delightful tonic for our tumultuous times, and I have to admit, she's right. Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston just might be the best book ever. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that I'm here. Lauren, you work in the best library in Orange County, probably in California, possibly in the entire United States. And I say that completely objectively without any prejudice whatsoever. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Can you tell my listeners about your job? I would love to. Um, As you said, I work for the best library in the country, Mission Viejo Library. Um, I'm a children's librarian, and I just really love what I'm able to do. Despite the stereotypes, we don't just sit there and read on a desk (laughs) and shush people. In fact, I get shushed more often than I shush people. Um, Who shushes you? Patrons. <laughs> I got shushed by a child the other day. It was I was trying to help some other kid. Um, he goes, Shh, "This is a library." So, um, my point is, don't listen to those stereotypes. Although okay. we do have cats and cardigans, those those are true. Those um, are true. I get to do story times. I get to share my favorite books with kids and adults. I also get to do some really awesome programs, like Harry Potter programs. And it's just a delightful job that I'm very proud to have. I have such a special fondness for our library because, first of all, it's beautiful. And second of all, it is just the best library. And when people try to ask me what, I just, I can't even really give words to it. It is just the best library. And we hear that quite often. And I say that objectively. Um, (laughs) We get get, um, patrons from San Clemente and other uh, cities that are outside of Mission Viejo and quite a drive and they bypass their local library to come here because they prefer our customer service they prefer mm-hmm. um, our collection we've had we just had a compliment the other day that our collection has um, a very diverse that we have a very diverse and open collection for their classroom so um, we we do kind of pride ourselves on the gold Mission Viejo standard and uh, I mean, we've had somebody from like Disneyland customer service come and do a whole training on Disney customer service. And so I think that's kind of how we model after, which makes sense for Southern California. Yeah. Lauren, will you tell me about your reading life? How did you get here to becoming a children's librarian? And what kind of reader were you as a child? I was a voracious reader as a child. I remember going to my library that was right across the street from my house, which I actually ended up working at in high school, 
which is what started my love for working in libraries. But to back up a little bit, I used to run right to the spinners that had the Babysitter's Club paperbacks and the Babysitter's Club Little Sister paperbacks because I am a little sister. So I felt like, hey, it's a book series that I can relate to. And then I kind of found myself in the adult section spinners with the paperbacks that were the clean Harlequin um, novels. And I had no idea what was happening because I knew nothing about romance. I knew nothing about adult problems because I was 10. (laughs) But I felt like I was the coolest kid reading books in the adult section. So, um, and then, like I said, growing up, I... In high school, I worked at a library as a page. So that's just shelving shelving and alphabetizing the books, organizing, kind of cleaning everything up. And my middle name is Paige, spelled like a book. So I thought it was so cool. Like, I'm a page, and I am a page. And um, I let my dad talk me into being a lawyer. And I let him crush my librarian dreams. And so I got my bachelor's in pre-law and I hated it. And then I got a job at the campus library in Reno where where I went to college. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be at a library surrounded by books. Sorry, dad, peace. (laughs) (laughs) And I got my master's and I'm here. So, And what led you specifically to the children's section? Or do you? How does library science work? Do you have to specialize in school in the section or do you choose when you get the job? It really depends. Uh, there are, in the in master's in library science, you can choose a focus. So you can choose teen services. You can choose archives or special libraries. Um, I just kind of did a general master's, but I took a lot of young adult and children's classes because that's what my interest was in. I look and I act like a teen and I read purely pre- I'm branching out, but I read mostly YA fiction. So um, that those areas of the library have always fascinated me. So that's why I stuck with children's and teen um, classes in my master's program. But really, there's there are so many different types of libraries that you can focus. There are some programs that offer a JD and a library science master's. So that way you can work in law libraries Some offer a teaching certificate at the same time, so you can work for school libraries. So there's just so many different options. Oh, and I would bet there's probably medical, like for medical medical, libraries? There's medical libraries. um, There's a a corporate um, libraries. I mean, places like Disneyland and Warner Brothers all have libraries. Um, We got to tour in Irvine. We got to tour the library at Blizzard the video game um, company, they have a library there. And so there's libraries in unsuspecting places. So there's (laughs) programs for all of that is my, was what I was getting at. Do you think you'll stay? Do you think you'll continue to focus on children's or do, do librarians move around to sections a lot? Or like once you find your section, do you tend to stick with it? I think that really depends it's a personal preference. For me, I can't foresee myself moving outside of children or teens. I was a teen manager, teen librarian before I was a children's, and I work occasionally on the adult reference desk, and adults are boring. 
And I say that with love because I am an adult, but um, they don't have as much interest in at least the ones. Okay. How do I phrase this without insulting our entire community? Um, Adults are more focused on the actual books themselves. They just want to come get their book and then go home. Kids, they want to know what our favorite books are. They want to know, oh, look, there's a stuffed animal on the top of the shelf. Oh, look, there's a program. And they're more engaged. And I think that's just a, that's just how it is in any um, anywhere. Kids and teens are just more focused or engaged, and adults are just like in a rush. They just um, when it, they come in and then they're out. Um, so I'm trying. I'm going to try to change that. I would like to encourage more programs for adults and and more reasons for them to just kind of um, engage in programs and not just the books or just sitting at a table doing homework. I want to be able to provide for them as well. And what's interesting to me about kids is they will let you know if they don't like what you gave them, they're not going to lie to you or be exactly. polite about it. And then their passion for it, their love for it is equally as fierce. I love yes. that about kids. Me too. So, um, and really to answer your initial question, some people do like to jump around to different um, departments in the library because they want to have that experience in different locations because circulation's a very different beast than a children's librarian. They do okay. completely different tasks. They deal with completely different problems um, than we face. And so some people do like to have that that all-around knowledge. The thing about librarianship is that people don't leave, um, especially if they find a good place like Mission Viejo. It's competitive as a librarianship is competitive because we love our jobs. And so we don't want to leave our jobs, which means that we don't leave until we retire. So then there's no positions until I'm 75 (laughs) and I retire, then somebody else can have my job. So I think that's one of the difficult parts of librarianship is that when you're happy, you don't leave, which is great. But also there are so many other young, fresh librarians that don't can't find a location, can't find a job. Do librarians have a lot of say in the stock that you carry or is that chosen by someone else? Um, Speaking for Mission Viejo, we all have our collection areas. So um, we're assigned different collection areas. So I get to order um, half of the nonfiction for juvenile and I get to order half of the fiction. Um, My supervisor does the other half of fiction and the other half of nonfiction. We have a librarian who does graphic novels and it's all, it's the same in adult fiction or an adult reference. They all have their selection areas. So we get to choose our collection. We get to order. um, We pretty much are told, here's the budget have at it and then we don't really we don't get we don't get like questioned on it um pretty much we put it in our online book cart and then it gets ordered when you are given your your budget is it your goal to get as many books as possible within that budget or is your goal more like a curation of this author was a big hit last year she's going to be giant next year we've got to get her books and this is a really small author, but a lot of kids have been asking for her. For some reason, she's a big hit at the local elementary. Or, like, how do you how do you manage that, deciding which books to get? 
very good question. It's it's a it's kind of a mixture of all of that you said. Um, some of it, especially with nonfiction, it's just noticing what in our current collection is old or out of date, and then replacing it. Oh when yeah. It, when it comes to fiction, it's what's popular. Um, we there are some series that are automatically we have to have it like Dogman and um, <laughs> anything by Dev Pilkey. Um, so we have our go-tos where it's very obvious that we need to have every single book in this collection or every single book in that series. Um, in other situations, it's kind of, um, we we judge our orders based on if it's uh, reviewed by um, publications. So that's kind of usually our guideline. It's, does this look good? Does this look um, well-researched? Does it look like a, a plot line that kids might enjoy? And is it reviewed? Um, in that case, then we'll probably order it. If it's not reviewed and it doesn't have too many orders from other libraries, then we'll usually skip over it until maybe next year it'll have more reviews, it'll have more orders. We'll be like, oh, we missed that opportunity, but now we can order it. Um, so it's really just kind of also filling in the gaps of our collection. So speaking of library engagement programs, we came across each other with a program whose name I did not write down. I'm looking at my notes. It's it's called Book Connect. Okay. Can you tell my listeners what that's about? Absolutely. It was originally called Curbside Concierge, um, but people were confusing it with our actual curbside service where we would bring books out to cars. Um, but it started during um, the coronavirus, during pandemic, when we were realizing that we were offering this curbside service where we would drop off books in somebody's trunk if they parked in their our parking lot. Um, but m- most people or many that come into the library like to browse. They don't come in with a specific book all the time. They like to kind of walk through the fiction stacks and read the, the cover and then know if it sounds good or not. And so we were trying to figure out a way to offer that service safely, especially when we were closed to the public. And that started the curbside concierge slash book connect, which is what it is now. It's kind of morphed. So what that is, is that um, we ask patrons to fill, fill out a survey. They fill out what genres they want or whether it's um, nonfiction or fiction. Then they tell us um, what age group, so if they're adults or YA or, or children's. Then they kind of tell us what books that they've liked in the past and what they liked about them and what they did or books that they didn't like. So we know not to give books of that similar author or similar writing style, what have you. Um, so can I talk about your particular Please do, because I <laughs> want to ask you how you chose the ones you chose. Well, the thing I loved about your um, your your survey was that you were very detailed and descriptive, and that <laughs> that really helped me, especially because um, so our staff we rotate who does who answers these requests. Okay. So, like Saturdays are my days to answer all of the book connect all of our reference emails and all of our library programs emails to register for programs. And you're, you just happen to fall on my day. And like I said, I read mostly young adult fiction. 
Um, I venture into adult fiction occasionally, like the book that we're going to talk about today, but usually it's just YA. So adult fiction is kind of, so it's just, it kind of goes right over my head. I, my eyes got wide. I'm like, oh, oh, oh crap. Like, okay, so this is going to happen. And my, my adult um, librarians are like, we can help you. We, I'm like, no, I'm going to do this myself. And I need to broaden my horizon somehow. So this will be a good learning experience for me. So you provided some really great, you liked this book and this book and this book because of the world building or because of the character driven relationships. And so that really helped me to know what to look for. And we have a service um, on our website called Novelist. And with Novelist, you can actually um, put in a book series or a book title or an author, and it'll give you read-alikes based off of that author or book title. Okay. And so really that's what I did was I put in, I think you put, can I say what one of the books? Yeah. Crying at H. H Oh, yes. I for sure said that. Um, And so I put that into Novelist and it gave me um, recommendations based off of the plot line and it gave some keywords that you had included in your why you liked it reasoning and so I think that's how I got the biography from the fresh off the boat yes guy Eddie Um, Huang yes yes so that's a lot of what we do is we we use novelist quite a bit um and also I am not a, I mean, I, I do ask my fellow librarians for help. This one, I was more stubborn, but in general, <laughs> I do. Um, one of our um, part-time on-call librarians reads a lot of different diverse adult fiction. So I'll say, hey, she likes The Gentleman in Moscow. What can you recommend? And she'll throw out just like, oh, give that to me. I'll take care of it. And so we all have our different, um, yeah. different interests and different fields of of expertise, I suppose. So if there's somebody that requests purely YA, I'll get an email saying, hey, any recommendations for this patron? And I'll send off 10 books that (laughs) that they might be interested in. So um, it's just a really great um, service. And we continued it, even though we're open to the public, because people are still using it and can still appreciate that they might be kind of reading, reaching the end of their to read list and they're kind of running out of read alikes that they know of. So it's kind of our way of, of offering an opportunity for them to read books that they might not have normally heard of. I have to tell you that it felt like a kind of witchcraft when I went and picked up my books. Cause the cool, the, I love the way you do it where it's just automatically checked out to me and I just go pick them up. And I will I will say, because I wrote down the titles, The Long Call by Anne Cleves, Fresh Off the Boat by Eddie Wang, A Duty to the Dead by Charles Todd, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolles, and The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. I had only ever heard of one of those five books, which is A Gentleman in Moscow, which I own because I really like him. The other four I had never heard of, but... The second I opened the flap, I immediately went, oh, I'm going to read this one. Like every one of them was one of those ones where I went, how have I, how do I not know this author yet? (laughs) And then, and then you even said in your email to me, if you've read this one, I would suggest, and you gave a couple of other suggestions and all of your suggestions were books 
that I love or one of your suggestions was House in the Cerulean Sea, which yes. I read last year and loved. Yes. Or One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, which I was in the middle of when you <laughs> and I thought I got a little freaked. I thought, oh, my God, like, can she see? Does she know me? Is she in my head? <laughs> and that's the the magic of a librarian. <laughs> it was magic. It really was. And I love it that. stuns me that adult fiction is not, you don't think adult fiction is your thing because you nailed it. Awesome. And, that, and part of that was that with the help of Novelist, yeah. um, which is a great underrated resource that we, we always try to promote to our patrons because it, it's magical. Um, and part of that, I mean, I, it took me a good, I think, hour to, to find these books because I was dedicated to just <laughs> not ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that it worked out. That's why I emailed you because I was thinking, what if she gets these? And she's like, oh, I've already read them all or this is not what I asked for at all. What do these librarians think? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> Does that happen? Not that I know of. Um, not that anybody tells us anyway. Yeah. So I think because you ask specific questions and I was able to say, I like mysteries, but I don't like blood. I don't like gore. So I, th the fact that we are able to say what we dislike is I think what really makes it. Yes. Because we don't want to accidentally give you something that has blood and gore if you don't like it or if exactly. it gives you nightmares, you know? No, I don't want that. We have enough of that in real life. That's true. Listen, everyone gets excited about the start of pumpkin spice season. And then when I point out that the holidays come next, y'all go bananas. But I'm not afraid of you people. I am hard at work on my second annual kids gift giving episode in which I interview a bunch of young people about books. And I would love to talk to your favorite young reader. This was my most popular episode last year and my favorite to record because kids are the best people. If you know a young person, ages 5 to 20, who would like to tell me about their favorite book, I would really love to talk to them. Go to my website, juliewroteabook.com, and click on the button that says, Be a Guest on the Second Annual Kids YA Gift-Giving Guide. I can't wait to hear from you. Now, back to the show. So, do you remember how you first came across this book that we're talking about today, Red, White, and Royal Blue by our Queen, Casey McQuiston, who I adore? Bow to the Queen. Um, <laughs> I actually, I don't remember. It might be one, my supervisor might have actually been talking about it. And she, she and I tend to enjoy the same books because she reads, she reads a lot of the same young adult fiction that I do. She's our senior children's librarian. Um, and she might've brought it up and it just sounded delightful um, because it just seemed like the escape that I needed at that time. Mm. Cause when it came out, it was at a very tremulous wild time. Can you tell my listeners what this book's about? Absolutely. So red, white and Royal blue in very basic description is the son of the female president of the United States after Obama. Um, starts to fall in love with the Royal Prince of England 
Henry. And really, it's just they're a story about them going from I hate you because you're a prick to you're not so bad to oh crap, I like you. Does that make me gay? Does that make me bi? To just full blown, I'm in love with you. Who cares what the world thinks? Love. And it's just such a beautiful, funny laugh out loud. I mean, I would literally laugh out loud while reading this book. And in a time when I was hating how our government was, I was hating, just really just not enjoying the way our country was was looking. This was the exact little escape. I keep using that word, but it's mm-hmm. true. No, it's the but exact right it. word for this book. Were you thinking of Prince Harry the whole time you were reading it? Because I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I wasn't at that time. I I read it the first time. I wasn't. I didn't really follow the royal family, the okay. real life royal family. Um, and it's not that I didn't care to it's just I was so selfishly ingrained in our own problems that the everything else was just like eh, who has time for that <laughs> in rereading it yeah I can absolutely see the correlation or at least the the hint of relation with Prince Henry and Prince Harry and the kind of the WTF love of who would have ever expected that and um the reaction of the crown and the queen to the love. And it's just, yeah, reading I reread it last week in preparation for this talk. And because I, who cares how many times do you reread this book? Because it's magical. Um, it's the alternate universe that we needed because like I said, um, the president is right after Obama. So mm-hmm. it's kind of pretending that, 2016 never happened. And um, I wish it hadn't. But (laughs) 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 I I, I wish that we had a President Claremont because Mm -hmm. politics and what, you know, Democrat or Republican aside, a female president that kicks ass the way she does is awesome. I love that you keep using the word escapism because to me, this is the ultimate escapist fantasy because she takes such pains to place it precisely you know in 2016 and she she just kind of went you know what that just trump just never happened and we're just going to (laughs) move on ahead it just kind of calms you it does you just kind of want to eat them up eat up all of the characters and the characters are all so relatable they're all so different Mm -hmm. but you can still find one of them that you see yourself in, whether it's the depression and anxiety that Henry feels or the anxiety and self-discovery that Alex, the um, president's son, feels, or just the the June, his sister, and how she doesn't want to follow in the footsteps of, of her mom and dad and brother. She wants to find her own journey. Um, it's all just so unique and diverse. The characters mm-hmm. are all so diverse. And and I love that. And I love how, I mean, to get, I'm getting really personal here. And um, I was reading that book and Alex, Alex's self-discovery was he didn't realize that he was bi. He didn't realize that all the times that he 
was admiring another man or another boy when he was a kid, he didn't realize that that was, you know, how he felt. He thought it was just, he was like, I can't be bi, I can't be gay. Mm. And that was kind of right around the time when I was discovering myself and and being bisexual and um, knowing that I'm an adult and I should have known this from the start, but at the same time, maybe I didn't, maybe I just kind of ignored it. And so kind of going through that journey with Alex was, was really, um, it was just really touching because I could understand how he, I could, on a personal deep level, I could understand his little crisis mm-hmm. of, oh crap, like Henry just kissed me and I liked it. What does that mean? What, mm-hmm. what am I? What does that make me? And his little internal conflict was just, perfect because I felt that and it was so good for my heart because I kept thinking like oh god please don't let him get kicked out of the family yes I cannot deal with like I would have shut the book honestly right if shit like that had happened but because it was just such a kind and intelligent exploration that I think is also part of the escapism of this book is what if we are just cool about this? Yeah. What if we just let this kid figure it out? I love that his mom's reaction, the president's reaction to this was, okay, cool. I love you as your mom. <laughs> but yeah. as the president, here's a PowerPoint of international ethics and relationships <laughs> and how yeah. your romance with the Prince of England could affect global international relations. And I think one of the most touching scenes in the entire, entire book, when, when their romance gets out and the emails that they send to each other get leaked to the press and to the public and the entire world now knows of their romance before that, before they were ready to announce it. And they go through all this, you know, crisis aversion, um, they, they crisis counseling or whatever. They put out all these fires and then he walks in to see his mom and she kicks out all of the, the staffers that she's meeting with. And she just says, are you OK? And like that moment, like I getting teary just thinking about it, because at that moment she was not the president. She didn't care what happened or what was going on or what the what the results of this would be she just cared that her son was okay yeah and I think that that familial behind the scenes look at what a presidency could look like what a presidential family was and the relationship between the president and her two kids um, was really beautiful Mm-hmm. Because you don't, no matter who's in office in real life, you don't see that. You don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see, you don't see the president and their child interacting the way you do in this book. And that's the best part of fantasy and about books is that you get to look at whatever the author wants you to see. Every every single word in that book is intentional. Mm-hmm. And I just always am- Amazed me like I highlight I read on my phone through the Kindle app and I just highlight like <laughs> sentence after sentence because it's like I need to remember this or that was just beautiful. Um, every word that Casey McQuiston writes has a meaning, and every scene that she writes is intentional. And I just love that about these books. 
I ask this of everyone. I would think for a librarian, it's a whole different can of worms. Do you have time to reread books normally? Oh, I always reread books. As someone that has, I, I have anxiety and depression. And so sometimes revisiting the books that I love helps pull me out of a depression episode. And um, it's just like revisiting a TV show that brings you comfort. It's the same exact concept for me. Revisiting a book like Red, White, and Royal Blue or the Selection series um, or Clockwork Angel, which you should read, by the way. Okay. Um, add that to your list because okay. <laughs> that's my favorite, favorite, favorite series in the world. Um, okay. It just brings me it brings me comfort, and it's kind of my safe place mm. to know. I like to know how things end, especially in a time when our future and our present were so kind of like we we have no idea what what's tomorrow what's coming tomorrow with the pandemic or politics um it's all such up in the air and so revisiting books that i know i enjoy and that i know how they end brings me comfort and peace so find me an ending that i can predict and that i know and i'm good <laughs> okay so what tell me what's on your bookshelf right now um right now i'm reading um, so this is what I mean when I'm branching into adult is I'm reading some simple romance. It's a book by Becca and Christy Ritchie. They do a series called, um, Like Us. And it's just a book series about this family who's kind of American royalty. And each book is about a different, um, different person in this in this very large family of cousins and, and close family friends and it's just very diverse there's um, a female and male relationship there's um, a few gay relationships there's a few polyamorous relationships in this and the representative of all different kinds of love is just really well done and it's funny and it's just a good mindless kind of I don't have to think too hard it's not too deep if you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm reading now is kind of an offshoot of that series called Amour Amour or Circus's Family. And it's this book about this aerial, uh, this family that's an aerial ethereal, which is like Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. And just their different love stories and their, the struggle that they have in being in the circus and being the best of the best. I need to start reading um Oh my gosh, what's it called? It's our book club book. Um, it's by Don DeLillo. Um, and I don't even remember what it's called. So obviously I, I'm really excited to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your book club. Um, so it is a book club um, that's also a podcast. It's called Gamers Read. And it's me and three guys, which is way too much testosterone. But it's just three of us, four of us who like to game and read. And it's a podcast where we just talk about the books and then we talk about what else we're reading. And then we play a game called Fibbage to, to determine who gets to pick the next book. So, uh, so uh, do the books have anything to do with gaming or the person who chooses can nope. choose anything? We can choose anything, um, and I would have chosen Red, White, and Royal Blue, but it can't be a book that we've already read before, so I couldn't choose that one. But um, Oh, even the chooser can't have read it. 
Correct. Other people could have oh, read it, but if oh, I okay. if it's my turn to choose, I can't read choose something that I've already read. And it doesn't have to be video game related. Um, we always find ways to tie it back into video games. Like a plot might remind us of a video game that we've played or something, and then it kind of digresses from there. Yeah. So this, I, I, like I said, um, it's a Don DeLillo book um, about Lee Harvey Oswald. It's a fictional story well, you're really not looking forward to this one <laughs> <laughs> um oh it's called libra by okay. don delilo um it's like a 480 page book um in a genre that i don't normally read so i'll probably read it at the very last minute <laughs> will you tell my listeners how they can listen to your podcast and find you online absolutely so our podcast is on everywhere you can find a podcast. It's just called Gamers Read. And we also have a website called gamersread.com where you can listen listen to past episodes, find out what else we've read, and, um, what we're currently reading. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I think my Twitter handle is Lauren the Vibrarian. Um, <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, so actually my my it's at it's Raven Clarin. And then on Instagram, I am, I believe I'm Lauren Page. This has been so fun talking to you. I hope you will come back anytime you have a book that you want to share with me and my listeners. There's nothing, there's no better get than a librarian. (laughs) I'm here. I'm at your service. You can call me anytime. Um, I'm happy to find you books. I'm happy to find your listeners books. Um, I can even give my email if your listeners want to email me or you can just message me on Twitter and I can do it that way too. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> Let's encourage. Okay. So listeners, if you want Lauren's genius or witchcraft, as I called it, when I saw the list, um, hit her up on Twitter. Lauren, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I had a great time being here. Thanks for listening, bookworms. For more information on this episode and links to all the books we discussed, please go to our website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and you can find me everywhere as Julie Wrote a Book. Remember, whenever you're book shopping, help support indie bookstores and this podcast by using my affiliate link at bookshop.org slash shop slash best book ever. Bookshop's mission is to support local independent bookstores. And if you shop using my link, I get a small percentage of your purchase at no extra expense to you. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.